Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sign up with my bookie. Use our promo code Gators to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie. Get the Manscaped Performance Package at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use code GATORSBREAK20. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you day after South Carolina defeats Florida 40-17. to And a game we had no idea would play out like that, but it does as the Gamecocks dominate the Gators. Saturday night in Columbia, South Carolina. So I'm just walking in the door. <laughs> Literally, it's close to 5.30 Sunday evening. Um, drove back from Columbia, uh, me and the family. So got in a little bit of notes, but uh, had, to, had to travel at the same time. So uh, this one's going to be a little more uh, freestyle, free form. Here we go. Uh, it's just a, a lot to get into. This game itself, even more big picture as we sit here with another loss, Florida's fifth loss of the season now, four and five on the year. And as you can tell with the title of this episode, hitting rock bottom. Dan Mullen has hit rock bottom in his time at Florida right now. Can he dig himself out? That's a, a, another question in and of itself. But for now, where we sit on the day after South Carolina destroying Florida, Florida sits rock bottom right now. So plenty to get into, game itself, big picture stuff, Dan Mullen, future, all that stuff. I'll get into it. Oh, I, won't, uh, I won't hide shy away from, uh, <laughs> from that one uh, today with, with that. But, um, you know, starting with this game, in, inexcusable in every meaning, every sense of the word. I've felt that way. A lot of you probably felt that way about other games. I have felt that way about other games too. But, you know, just keep piling up and – this one, I mean, there's no excuse for how Florida shows up. I mean, just like the LSU game for Florida earlier this season, you know, throw out everything that you thought could have, should have, would have happened once again. It happened again. And once again, out-prepared, out-coached, out-played by South Carolina. Uh, a first-year head coach, third-string quarterback, Led South Carolina to a 30-10 halftime score, 40-17 final score. Um, look, a first-year head coach that had this resume coming in. 46-0 over Eastern Illinois. 20-17 over Eastern Carolina. East Carolina. 40-13 loss to Georgia. 16-10 loss to Kentucky. 23-14 victory over Troy. That was their highest point total. Uh, there, I, besides that, forty-six nothing over Illinois. You know their highest um, FBS <laughs> opponent there. Forty-five twenty lost to Tennessee. 
in a 21-20 victory, last-second touchdown over Vanderbilt, uh, 44, and coming off of a 44-14 loss to Texas A&M a couple weeks ago. So, you know, Dan Mullen, you, you lost to a head coach with that resume uh, in year one and you in year 13. Yeah. So, you know, you decided to bring back Todd Grantham for another season when it was clear the move should have been last year. So what happens? A third-string quarterback that comes from uh, FCS St. Francis uh, lit up a defensive coordinator for 459 yards, um, a team that averaged 3.4 yards a carry, rushed for 6.8 yards a carry doubled their output rushing attempts here or rushing yards per attempt there versus Todd Grantham in this defense that you decided to bring back once more. 284 yards versus Florida for South Carolina. 284 yards. They averaged 117 yards rushing. But oh no, 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 no. You know, let's uh let's not stop there. Let's throw it back to Dan Mullen and his side of the ball, this offense. You know, this uh team that had been able to run the ball pretty well toward the beginning of the season and we've seen a dip and that dip is now where we stand run game just like the team's falling off of a cliff uh south carolina come in giving up 4.4 yards a carry 88th in the country 4.4 yards a carry that's what they were giving up 88th in the country and the gators had a whopping 3.2 that was much worse than that during the meat of the game florida could not run the ball at all um Standard runs, short yardage runs, it didn't matter. Uh, Florida could not run the ball. And on, an, on another defense coming into this game that uh, could not stop the run. And Florida not being able to keep up, not able to replicate at all what we saw earlier this year. This team didn't want to be there. You could, you could, clearly, could clearly see that. South Carolina takes advantage, credit to them. They wanted to play. They wanted to be there. Sure didn't look like Florida wanted to be there. So let's take a couple look at stats here, or some stats here, of course, uh, before uh, we move on. But, yeah, 459 total yards there for South Carolina. Gators, 82 rushing yards. There you go. With I mean, Carolina, 202 more yards rushing there. There's your story of the game, of course. Um, Florida, six penalties compared to South Carolina's one. I mean, where's the discipline of this team? Another, another avenue that keeps showing up every single week. You know, where's the, where's the mental approach from this team? That starts up top, not there. Six penalties for the Gators, 64 yards. Third down, no, Gators been terrible on third down all year. Not much better. Three of ten here. Uh, South Carolina, not great either. Had some early conversions for third downs that made a difference in the game. Uh, but all game, two for 12, you know, okay, whoop de doo didn't really mean a whole lot. Uh, two for three on fourth down, so they're able to make it up a little bit. Ten more plays in the Gators at South Carolina run, 66 to 56. So every yards per play, South Carolina with seven, of course, but the big difference, yards per rush, 6.8 yards per rush for Carolina. You control the ground game that much, you're going to win pretty much every game you play. But there you go. If you're watching the YouTube version, take a look, a little bit more look at the stats there. You know, Florida got in the backfield a few times, not able to come up sack. Something else you've pretty much been able to count on with this Todd Grantham defense, playing quarterbacks like this, and nope, one sack, one sack. So even I said the run game from earlier this season's been there or had been there, was a force of, uh, earlier in the season. I guess, able to take advantage of some weaker opponents, which we wanted to see because Florida, had, Florida hadn't even done that in the last couple of years. And you had the Alabama game. You had a Tennessee game. You saw all that rushing yardage. And now we've just seen the big dip, and it just kind of stay there. Same for sacks for this defense. You know, all those toward the beginning of the season, racked them up versus FAU and USF. And now as the season's kind of played out, those have teetered off. So this team nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near where they were in the beginning of the season. Of course, we're in SEC play now, but teams you should 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 have been able to take advantage of LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky. And that Kentucky win or loss is not uh, looking all that great. You know, so games you if you're Florida, if you're the Florida most people expect Florida to be, those are games you don't lose. And now I had seen how this season's playing out. 
even worse. So, yeah, of course, probably bring it up. Don't want to bury this part of it. But, yeah, this team, of course, battling the flu. That was uh, something that came up during the game. I mentioned it last Friday on one of the pod episodes. I don't remember if it was a Gators Breakdown Plus episode. I think it was on the Twitter Spaces chat Friday um, that um, there was the flu running through the team. I didn't know a number at the time. I didn't know how serious it was at the time. That's why I didn't blow it up any more than that. Just I had just heard that the team had the flu. Uh, of course, it spreads like wildfire, of course, uh, but I didn't have any more info than that. And then, of course, a couple hours before kickoff, um, started hearing uh, – I was talking to Nick Deletori uh, right before the, the game, and a lot of starters we – we were kind of piecing together. Some starters were definitely affected uh, all throughout the week. We know Emory Jones, that quarterback was, Copeland, Carter, all those guys gotten hit by it. But that's, that's not – that's not the reason what we saw last night. Maybe small smidgen part of it. Maybe some effect. Sure. South Carolina played better. They won't even more. That much is clear. Uh, a quote from Dan Mullen. We had anywhere from 20 to 30 guys missing practice every day this week. He said in the post game, I give some guy, I give some guys credit. Emory tested positive for the flu this morning. Makes me wonder why maybe he was playing, but okay. Uh, we had several guys not even come out onto the field, onto the bus. I didn't want to make an excuse for those guys, but I want to give our guys credit for battling. We're facing adversity. We had a bunch of guys dealing with sickness. We had to fly some guys up separately from the team, keep everybody separated. Those guys still went out, even though there was a large number of guys that missed practice. We had quite a few. Our training staff tried to do a good job today of IVing guys and trying to get them ready to be able to go out and perform. So yeah, credit for those guys to, you know, if they were battling flu and all that stuff all week, you know, credit, but that's, you know, they can sit here and everything we've seen from the late last year to now, could it play some part? Absolutely. But we've seen, well, I mean, we've seen LSU ravaged, whether it be injuries, whether it be sit outs, holdouts uh, for those guys, you know, it doesn't matter the circumstance. They go out and compete. You know, the skater team's not doing it. Once again, the, the biggest biggest takeaway, this Florida team can't match up physically. With middle-of-the-road SEC teams and mix in that mentality from up top, it filters down. You know, it, look, it wasn't going to be an instant fix this week, uh, but it's obvious that that whole bunker mentality, cutoff approach, it, it didn't help at all. Not one bit. Hey, this team wasn't prepared whatsoever for South Carolina, a team that wanted to be there, a team that wanted to play, a team that was going to come punch Florida right in the mouth. Uh, and they played like it. Uh, so it's almost right now at this point in the season, it feels like a, let's just get through the season. Once again, go back to the late last year is exactly what it felt like. You know, COVID ravaged the team. I think it's kind of a built-in excuse. Let's just get through it. I, I get that same feeling right here. So it almost feels like, you know, let's just get through the season and, and, and not being the best you can be just for the sake of being the best. Just seems like they want to get through it, going through the motions. You know, there's nothing mentally strong about these these string of losses and, and approach under under Mullen since late last season. Uh, where, where is that want to? You know, where, where is that where is that focus just to be better? It's not there. Uh, that, that that going back to what we heard about that team meeting uh, last Monday after the loss to Georgia. You know, that outburst uh, for, for, from Mullen, the, the accountability meeting this past week, looks like it just fell on deaf ears. Uh, another – and look, I even brought it up last week, probably too little too late, honestly, when you, when you look at it. And another example of, a, of, of being reactive, not proactive approach there, way too little too late uh, to win players back going, you know, Alabama, Kentucky, LSU, Georgia, way too late. And you can sit here and say, yeah, they have a lot to play for, a lot, a lot third of the season, the competitive nature. Where's that competitive nature? From top down, top down. So, th look, these issues were there to get out in front of and not let them repeat, and they repeated. They looked the same for the last three games here, a team that just doesn't want to go out there and play. I mean, they put that much into the Bama game, really, honestly? I mean, your season's over with after that? Come on. Still have much more to play for. But, I mean, honestly, we've said it before, going back a few weeks ago, this team just isn't good. Yeah, you played Bama tough. Okay, whoop-de-doo. 
We played Bama tough last year. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, is that what we're going to define our season zone now? When we play Bama, we sit here and check mark we played them tough? No, that ain't good enough. Well, that kind of seems to be the mindset, seems to be the mentality of this team right now, just forward after, uh, forward after that. And I think it starts, you know, I, I think the filter's down. I think the mentality filter's down there. You know, what would, what would go late last season of, you know, sitting out players versus LSU and, okay, this game, you know, in a, in a way sending a signal, that game don't matter. Bowl game, oh, that game don't matter. Well, I think eventually once you, these losses start piling up and that, oh, this game don't matter, it filters down. I think it filters down. Now, I don't, you know, the mindset of this team, I think it, it's fractured right now. I don't know how you get it back. I honestly don't know how you get it back. That's the scary part right now. You know, that goes into a lot of the big picture discussion we'll have on this episode of Gators Breakdown. But oof, you got destroyed by at the time in the SEC bad SEC team average overall. They were sitting at four and four South Carolina, but a bad SEC team. Well, okay, well we were bad SEC team too. Two bad SEC teams played, and one dominated the other. That's not a Gator look. That's not the Gator standard. Uh, we'll get into some big picture stuff here. I promise. Before we do, more is always better. And that's why my bookie instantly doubles all first-time deposits. With double the funds, you can double your action and, more importantly, double your wins. Getting in on the action has never been easier. I can bet with all my favorite currencies, including crypto, with all that extra scratch. Why not get in on the biggest matchups of the week at my bookie? As we inch closer to the NFL playoffs, there's some pivotal games coming up, so be on the lookout for the upcoming showdown versus division rival San Francisco 49ers as they take on the Los Angeles Rams coming up behind MVP candidate Matt Stafford. The Rams are looking to continue rolling as they take on that tough 49er defense. Will you take the Rams to cover the spread? So don't wait. Head over to MyBookie today to redeem your deposit bonus so you can get in the game. Start winning now. Use my promo code GATERS to receive double your first deposit instantly. That's promo code GATERS so you can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Holiday season also approaching, and I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Gift yourself or someone who needs it. The Manscaped Performance Package. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATERS BREAK20 by going to manscaped.com. Performance package 4.0 includes, of course, the lawnmower 4.0. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Performance package also includes the weed whacker. This nose and ear trimmer is the best I have ever tried. It's the only one out there that works, I promise you. After trimming your footballs, show them some love with Manscaped's liquid formulations. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your ball game to the next level. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts with the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shared Travel Bag. But Manscaped, they don't stop there. They've been busy. They just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped Signature Scent, your body will be oh so fresh and oh so clean when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. Get it all. 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. Oh, look, here we go. Look, what, what's crazy about this South Carolina game? Well, last night, it's not just another loss. It really is. It's not. Worst loss in the history of Florida, South Carolina. 23-point loss for the Gators. Most points ever scored by South Carolina. Mullen, again, making history on the wrong reasons for, 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 for Florida football right now. That leads me. Change needs to be made. He isn't just losing. He's losing in record fashion you know, to teams that if Florida is Florida, you have a separation against. And that's not what we're seeing right now. Losing to Kentucky, losing to South Carolina, losing to terrible LSU teams. No sense in it. 
And this was the perfect example for a, a team that no longer believes. A team that no longer, to me, doesn't believe in the direction. That's what it shows right now. A team that no longer believes in their coaches. That's to the gist I get of it. Perception's reality right now for me. Could be true, could not be true. But that's that's what's out there. This this program is rock bottom right now. And look, two scenarios. There's two scenarios in play. Mullen makes these program sweeping changes. Or Florida makes program sweeping changes. That's the two scenarios we have here. The head coaches need should need make the changes. They're giving the opportunity to make those changes, or they make the changes, and it starts with Dan Mullen. And I was on board with the with the first, you know, let Mullen kind of decide what to do moving forward. But once the players lose their passion, their focus, their confidence, and what I think the belief in this staff, it, it to me, it's hard to get it back. It's it's clear to me. I don't I, I, I don't Mullen's head. I, I don't know where it is. I, I don't I don't know if it's in the right place to lead this program. I mean, obviously, it's not sitting at four and four or four and five. It's, it's not. I think last season took a lot out of him. I, I believe I still believe in wanting to be in the NFL talk. I think he thought he might get that chance last season. He didn't check himself back in. I don't think he's fully back in yet and mentally i mean he can sit here and say he is i, I just don't know how, how do you how do you fully buy, buy, back buy in or buy back in when you're out there i just i don't i don't see it i, I really don't if he hasn't lost a team then it may be more the team taking on his mentality his approach which that isn't great either i don't i mean i would prefer either one and here's the thing. When Dan Mullen was hired, we're hired, we always get this, you know, very high floor. There's not going to be a low floor with Dan Mullen. We don't know where the ceiling is, but we know where the floor is. Well, that wasn't true. Four and five? Year four? That high floor is going away. It's, there's no, there's no, that floor, it's demolished. Yeah. You know, I, I never bought into it, but for the ones that, you know, didn't want to buy the big picture of recruiting, and I put this out on Twitter today, and it got some good responses. Where's all this development and coaching we were supposed to get with this, with this staff? That was supposed to take a dip in year four? Nah, shouldn't, shouldn't it be getting better? Shouldn't the development of your players be getting better? Shouldn't that make this team even better? I mean, we're asking ourselves these questions in year four. A head coach that's been coaching for 13 years and just got whooped, outcoached by a first-year head coach and – now that's one who's backed himself into a corner with a, with, a, with a lack of recruiting that has now gotten worse. And that fallback of development and coaching is not there. It's not. When's the last time you've been able to point to it? Oh, well, wait, yay, these two Alabama games. Okay. Where's the other ones? No quarterback ready in year four. Offense that's supposed to be your bread and butter with no physicality to it whatsoever. A lack of talented players in the trenches speaking of the trenches other side of the ball um they're relying on transfers that there aren't there aren't any difference makers i think we hope they would be but they're not but just they're right honestly right now just needed for depth yeah as this season's played out they're they're, they're getting beat by offenses that haven't been able to run the ball all year until they play florida and get get this i mean this is what it is this is what uh, this is what it is right now Teams are taking advantage of playing Florida. Florida's their feel-good game. Kentucky, LSU, South Carolina, all taking advantage of a um, uninterested, undisciplined, unfocused Florida program. And, and not to take away one of the the rare wins Florida's had this year, but you you, you want to play Tennessee right now? I, I sure I, I don't. Of course, you don't take the way you win from Florida. Give them all the credit in the world for winning that game, but I wouldn't want to play Tennessee right now. That's where we're at. That's where we're sitting. That's where we're sitting right now. Mullen in year four, all these years coaching in the SEC, sits here losing to a first-year head coach, Shane Beamer, at South Carolina, looking up at him in the SEC standings right now because you lost to him. Also, you're looking up well, to go along with first-year Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel. These guys with little to no pedigree compared to Mullen. Mullen's sitting up here looking at him, looking up, looking up at him in the standings. 
Come on. Okay, and just think about that. Make, make sense of that. Make sense of this. Losing Ned Orgeron three times to Florida. On the last two, a mass unit for LSU. That responds in a way you would have hoped to see Florida respond the way the way they should have versus South Carolina, but nope. Orgeron working on escape plan the week of after playing Florida just to get his team together, completely embarrass Florida for the second season in a row. Is that where we should be right now? Behind first time, first year head coaches in the SEC. Behind a lame duck coach that's fired two seasons after winning the national championship. Is that where Dan Mullen should be? Year four? No. These performances are embarrassing. These evaluations are embarrassing. How, how far away is this program from the Gator standard? That, that's embarrassing. All the critiques of this program, they're, they're fair at the moment. There's nothing off limits right now. I mean, look, I, I give you guys a voice a whole lot. And a lot of people will, will fire back at me, you know, Ah, you know, you can't listen to all this. You know, I'm all for people speaking their minds. And right now, none of these none of the critiques are too far. Where's the hope? Where's the evidence this gets fixed? There's currently none, me, except in, in blind faith and optimism. Guess where that usually gets you? Sometimes it works out. Most time it doesn't. I didn't think I'd find myself this, you know, here this season. You guys know me. I'm not. I'll speak my mind. I'll shy away. Damn, you know, two, couple weeks ago, all right, damn, I'm just make the changes. Just make the changes. I'm off that bandwagon now. You know, I'm unapologetically conservative in firing coaches. You guys know that about me. I'm admittedly behind when it comes to that that line of thought. I respect many of you out there that get to that point faster than I do. Um, you get it. You get if uh, you know. If, some for good reason, you know, but some some people, have, of course, throw it out there just to be first. Uh, but regardless, that line of thinking pays off. I don't see the hope. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel anymore. And is it over? Is it is it an overreaction to one South Carolina game? No, putting it all together. It's not just because Florida lost to South Carolina. I didn't envision that when I said, okay, you know, Dan Mullen, I'll give him one more year to see, you know, do some changes. And a lot of you, of course, were ready to move on. Credit to you. I was willing to, as I said, I'm conservative. I know it. I was willing to let, let by, but no, you add this to the mix. What we saw last night in Columbia, nah. I don't see the hope. I don't see the light at any of the tunnel, end of the tunnel anymore. Can it get better? Sure. You know, you decide to keep him. Yeah, it can get better. Can it get better to the point of uh, Florida being contenders? I don't think so under Dan Mullen. And I know being contenders sounds silly at the moment, but that's that's the Gator standard. He knew about that. And he preached about that when he came in. I don't think his approach matches the standard. That might be his standard, but it's not the Gator standard. And look, so many chances. So many chances to take advantage in 2018, 2019. But I think that got Mullen, you know, that early success, I think it got him comfortable in his way and that he thought it was going to work. Took someone else's players. Had a lot of success. Credit to you. You developed the heck out of those guys. But instead of using that as a launching point, he used that as a ceiling. Never took advantage. Instead, turned that into rock bottom somehow. His recruiting, his development, his coaching has this team far from competing. Not just with the big boys of college football, the big boys of the SEC, but the SEC in general. This is this is an overreaction. There's a, there's many there's many aspects we've pointed to getting here, connecting these dots all along the way. There's many many we've pointed to on the here on this podcast, and many of you out there pointed to as well that that got us to this point. You know, so taking all this into account, where, where's the evidence this gets fixed? Where's the well, you know where's the level this that it can get to the level that it needs to be? There is none. Once again, blind hope and optimism. That isn't guaranteed. Dan Mullen's done some great things at Florida. He made Florida football fun again. I'll always give him credit for that. But couldn't build on that. There was a huge opportunity to build on that, and you didn't. It doesn't look like fun lately. It doesn't feel fun lately as a fan. Columbia was not fun last night. Jacksonville was not fun a couple weeks ago. A lot of other fans who make all these road trips. Baton Rouge wasn't the a joy you know this team on the road this year you haven't given your fans a whole lot to cheer about look of course like i said a couple weeks ago 
I was all for giving Mullen a chance, sweeping changes to the staff. I don't think that's enough anymore. When the other aspects of this program that we have been able to count on as advantages come crashing down, I'll lose my hope I had. Pair that with the issues of recruiting that I've always put out there. It's time for change. Time for some change. Now, look, I'm not making a decision. You're not making the decision. Does Dan Mullen survive this? I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves. As it stands, I think I think he does. Um, I believe at this moment, right now, I don't think it matters how loud the boosters get. I don't see the administration. I don't see Scott Strickland making a change. Uh, who, who knows? Who knows where the mind this athletic department is right now? That's no, that's another aspect of this. Is football a top priority? It is for me. It is for you. Even if so, at administration, do they see their commitment to football as change right now? You know, would the administration give Dan Mullen a chance to make these sweeping changes, these staff changes, um, and Mullen saying he'll do what he needs to do to turn it around? Is that enough for them? You know, they were happy. They were happy with last season making the small-scale defensive changes, used as a scapegoat to, uh, of Grantham's lackluster defense. So do even more losses need to happen from here on out? Does Mullen need to have more PR gaffes? I don't know. But I don't think it happens as everything stands right now. But that was me a couple weeks ago, too, in my thoughts as it stood right there, and I didn't want to get rid of Dan Mullen. As I sit here right now in Florida's four and five, I still don't think it's enough for the administration to make a change. But I'm ready. I just don't. The hope, the light at the end of the tunnel is no longer there for me. He just dug himself a hole. I don't think the timelines are going to match up. I don't. I, I. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. All right. So there's big picture look a little bit. We'll get back into the South Carolina game. But you know, look, how did I get to the point I got to just then? Oh my rant. <laughs> Hopefully, I feel like a lot of you. I know I'm. I, I, I've talked to you a, a lot of you yesterday, before the game, during the game, after the game. Uh, of course, on social media here and there, you know, not as much because I've been traveling from Columbia. I, it was not a fun trip, by the way, as far as the game itself. Now, the tailgating and hanging out with my wife's side, the family, all that was a blast. Uh, you know, Columbia is very high in that regard, but fans let us have it. Uh, so <laughs> that was one of the worst I've, I've been treated there in Columbia. But look, hey, go win the game, Florida. It wouldn't feel as bad. Um, but, you know, enjoyed the time with family, enjoyed the time with friends uh, there on the road. So, uh, I've seen some people I haven't seen from friends I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, so a, a lot of good fun uh, in that. But, you know, how, how do we get to this point? Uh, the feelings that I just laid out because of what transpired Saturday night in Columbia. So look back at the game, just a couple storylines for me. Florida comes out slinging the ball against a team that could not stop the run. <laughs> now, some of those are well, RPOs, of course, um, South Carolina was given pass and certain looks. Florida's going to pass. Uh, Florida just wouldn't line up and run it, and it turns out I mean, it really wouldn't have mattered. Uh, we saw Florida not being able to establish the run whatsoever. Uh, Florida's first 10 plays, all passes. Set up a 7-3 lead. You got a lead there. Also in that early barrage, the deep pass was there for Emory in the passing game. Two long gains. Emory to Justin Shorter for 52 yards. Another for uh, true freshman Marcus Burke making appearance. There's one positive. You know, we talk about some of these young guys being able to make a name for themselves in this program. And here we go, Marcus Burke, true freshman with a 61-yard catch on the road there. So nice to see early uh, for Florida. Just hoping that would something be Florida could build off of. But nope, nope, not sustainable whatsoever. Emory was 8 of 11 after hitting Burke on that 61-yard gain. He was 8 of 11 for 163 yards. Emory would only go on to complete nine more passes on 19 attempts, only to go on to throw for 95 yards after that start, the longest being a 21-yarder. Five yards per attempt after starting out, eight of 11 for 163 yards. Ended the day with two touchdown passes, also had another interception into the mix. For the day, 17 of 30, 258 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Only 26 yards on the ground. On 11 rush attempts, 2.4 yards carry. So, no run game for the running backs. Once again, little for the quarterback. This run game, nowhere near where it was earlier this season. 
opponents aren't scared of the passing game. Uh, Florida can't open up holes up front. Just getting manhandled up front. What did we hear all last week? Athletic puts out an article, another sign of a soft football team. Defense, once again, just doesn't show up. You know, we spoke about it earlier. Gets ran over. Can't stop a counterplay again. Once again, looks soft. Remember that athletic article that came out last week detailing opposing coaches' thoughts on just how soft Florida is, mostly on the defensive side of the ball? Well, play out again. Sure, South Carolina could just watch film and see it. They did. Sure, coaches talked to each other behind the scenes out there. Wasn't going to be a huge secret when we saw it with our own eyes. But it's not just that. You know, remember these things, while, while, while not great to point out, some of these things you could always count on from Grantham to take advantage of, even when the defense hasn't been great. And that's for him to take advantage of a certain level of quarterback. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what level. Jason Brown, didn't matter what level of defense he faced at St. Francis. St. Francis, you know, not the rigors of the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, you know, Sunbelt, Mac, whack. Talking St. Francis here. He was ready for a Todd Grantham defense. Imagine that. Starting 12 of 15, a touchdown, 132 yards. And that was enough as he only finished a game 14 to 24 for 175 yards. Started 12 of 15 for a touchdown, 132 yards. Ended 14 to 24 for 175 yards. But he came out hot. That was enough. In that 12 of 15 start, he converted a third and 12 for a first down and a third and eight for a 24-yard touchdown. That was the only two third-down conversions for the whole game for South Carolina, but they were early, and they were enough. Grantham had no answer. Hey, once again, early, no answer. Florida found itself in another hole. Hey, surprise. This time to a third-string quarterback making his first start for South Carolina. Unacceptable. And here's the problem. Unacceptable once again. The one wide receiver that was a threat for South Carolina, everyone knew coming into the game. Josh Van, okay, well, he only goes for 11, 111 yards on seven catches and a touchdown. He had half of the receptions from Brown. So pair that with the softness and undisciplined nature of the Florida defense. That gives up 128 yards on 16 carries to Kevin Harris. Another 111 is the Condre White on 13 carries. Those two contributed six explosive runs with a long of 39 yards for Harris, 54 for White. So all this meant last three games, the Gators have surrendered 321 yards to LSU on the ground, 193 to Georgia, 284 to South Carolina. When you gave up more yards to LSU and South Carolina, teams that can't run the ball, than you did against Georgia, who can run the ball, but still almost let them go for 200 yards. I mean, LSU and South Carolina, two of the worst rush offenses in college football, and they completely dominate this Florida defense. But hold on, let's bring back, let's bring, let's bring back Todd Grandin for another year when everybody in the world could see you don't bring him back. Dan Mullen, you laid in this bed. You laid in this bed, and this is what you get. Everybody in the world knew you don't bring Todd Grantham back. You could have bought yourself a little bit of goodwill there. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Gator Nation, I'm sorry. This, this, is, this is terrible. This is not fun whatsoever. But that's where we sit. Four and five. Get dominated by South Carolina. In year four of Dan Mullen. Year after winning the SEC East. Look, I get up and down years. But can't say with everything we've kind of warned about. I didn't see this coming. Don't get me wrong. As I said, the things we've been able to count on, you pair that with the warning signs we told you about recruiting. This is what you get. If you're not going to do the things you're supposed to do well, pair it with the things you already don't do well. This is what you get. All right, so the, the tweet I put out there 
of, uh, you know, even if you're not that big into recruiting, kind of like I just said here, you know, where is the coaching and development that was supposed to close the gap? As I said, these aspects have actually widened the gap this season. Yeah, you lost a lot of talent. Admittedly, I told you this offense was going to take a step back. Now, I didn't think this big of a step back, but I expected a step back. But I still thought Dan Mullen can game plan with this style of offense. I was admittedly, now, don't get me wrong, I wasn't too high on this defense. Expected some improvement. We've seen some improvement, but not right now. I mean, that's like I said, it's at the point right now, I don't, there's a point of no return this season. I think they started out a little bit better, but kind of the same for the offense, same for the whole team. Once some film got out there, once some tape got out there, Florida can't recover from that. No adaptability, no changes. All right, so with that, um, look, always been about interaction here on Gators Breakdown. Started that whole Twitter spaces stuff, but right here on this Sunday, after this demoralizing loss, I'm going to get some of your guys' thoughts in here. I'll start with my, a lot of my Gators Breakdown or a few of my Gators Breakdown Plus members. So the response to the, you know, even if you're not that big into recruiting, where has this coaching and development been? Eagle One Gator says it's either one or the other. Obviously, he chooses to develop over gathering high-level talent. Problem is, the development's not good at this point. Robert Guagliardo, it's obvious he's checked out. From his time at Mississippi State and his first two years here, his teams haven't been this undisciplined or soft. Something changed, and the only thing I can think of is he doesn't want to be here for whatever reason. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if that's true or not. That perception's out there. That's going to hard. That's hard to win the fan base back. And this isn't just a small thought. This thought is out there a lot. It's a. It's out there away from social media. Of course, it's on social media. I mean, a lot of people. There's, there's a voice for everybody right there. But now, I, I use my dad as an example a lot here. He couldn't even tell you how to turn an iPhone. Well, he's got an iPhone, but he couldn't even tell you how to turn Twitter on. Couldn't tell you even how to download the app Twitter. Doesn't listen to social media. Doesn't really listen. He doesn't, he doesn't even listen to my podcast. So that's, a, that's how untech savvy <laughs> that goes. I talk to him, of course, every uh, multiple times a week. But of course, after every game, and my dad, you know, in his sixties, doesn't look like damn mother wants to be here to me. He ain't getting that opinion from me. He's not getting it from social media. He's getting it from his own eyeballs. Just sitting there watching and listening to football games and press conferences. People can sit here and say social media slants it all, and it's not a representation. It is a representation. Even more and more now. That thought's just not out there on social media. It's out there. So whether it's true or not, the narrative is out there, and it's getting out. Is that going to help recruiting? I don't think so. There's another example right now, the point of no return. It definitely looks like there's something. I, I don't think he's all there either in, in this job. I don't mean all there and mentally, of course. I don't mean it like that. I don't think he's all into Florida right now. We deserve better. Uh, tweets, here we go. B-Dub. These players have quit on these coaches and have no confidence in them. Mullen has destroyed the hope and confidence of those he recruited by mishandling them and not utilizing their abilities. Dan has to go along with Grantham. This ship has sailed. Kevin Browner says, bingo, this has been my whole point. We aren't even performing to the level of the recruiting classes. We average 12th ranked recruiting classes, but are below 500. We should be at least a top 15, 15 team nationally if you just perform the level that you recruit. And then, what, Florida 7th in the 24-7 sports composite uh, as well, you know. If we've always been lauding Dan Mullen for his coaching and his development, which we rightfully should have, except up to this point, it's not there. Just based on talent, just based on the talent that's on the roster, experienced or not experienced, far should be a could should be ranked. You know, these numbers, these, of course, you can't go by. I mean, that's where, you know, a lot of the anger comes in. We know Florida's got more talent than what they show here, but you know, we are kind of just putting these two thoughts here together. Mishandling, you know, this defense, so many guys out of position. Injuries play a part? Yeah. Okay, but well, that's where we go back to recruiting a little bit. 
you got to play guys out of position because you haven't recruited enough, well enough to have guys in position. That's a problem. Drew, I hope I'm saying your name right here. Uh, Drew Guidice, Guidice, G-I-U-D-I-C-E. So sorry, Drew, if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, I definitely apologize there. But the, he says on Twitter, this is the camp I fall in and why I finally flipped my tune. Something has gone on off the field. Program just feels lost from his control. He wants out. Let him go. Oh. Then Jeff Nix. I defended Dan Mullen last week as preparing for South South Carolina was priority number one. Team was definitely not prepared. Dan Mullen would never be openly critical of his players or coaches. He looked like a man with no answers on the sidelines last night. Emotionless, and that's how he played. So, yeah. You know, there we go. You know, a lot of, you know, parent recruiting and the falls of the other aspects, and this is kind of what you get. Uh, Mullen couldn't afford to, to, you know, fall back on the other aspects uh, on sustaining a program, and that's just been the look ever since late last season. Just the the fire, the passion, the, the control, the development, the coaching, the game management, clock management. Penalties, turnovers, all those things that and the, the little things that add up, you know, a lot of a lot of mental, mental side of the game for that. And it's not there. It is not there from the top down. And I really do think that has an effect. Start from the top, and I think it has an effect and it trickles down. It's tough. Stuff sitting far at four and five. Sanford coming up next. That's the game Faro should win. I know we can sit here and joke. I mean, I'll sit here and say should again. Oh, yeah. But Missouri and FSU certainly are, after last night aren't guaranteed anymore. So, as I said, I think the admin right now will still back bringing back Dan Mullen as it stands right now. That's throwing in wins versus Missouri and Florida State. That doesn't happen. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I know what should happen. But there we are. Everybody, thanks uh, here for YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. I see the chat is firing right now. Thank you guys for joining live. I, just, I didn't know where I was, what time I was going live today, um, driving back from Columbia. But you guys in here, like always, a lot of you can't thank you enough. Gators Breakdown Plus members can't thank you enough. I see all the, uh, the hot board, coaching board talk there in the in the chat here on YouTube. Thank you so much there. But you know, leave some comments uh, there. We're that's the live chat going on out there. But hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out there uh, here on the on the YouTube version. Of everybody, thank you so much. But we'll see. You know, of course, uh, Dan Mullen on Monday will speak to the media. I'll go ahead and you know tell you here. It's the they're going to do it in person now. So I will not be able to take part that I know of uh, to figure out a lot of things uh, there with the, the real job to see if I could get down to Gainesville, but uh, it does uh, no more zoom press conferences, at least on Mondays. I don't know about uh, after games and such, but was told this will be uh, an in-person press conference for Dan Mullen on Monday. So that will probably keep me out of it um, for the most part. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know. This, Maybe can add a Zoom component there, but uh, there are a lot of people out there in uh, um, in the con- consumption world uh, would don't mind. Uh, would rather have the reporters in uh, in 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 place there, but it, it did open it up a little bit um, for me to take part in those press conferences since I'm here in Jacksonville, um, not driving down to Gainesville. But maybe we can work something out, but I doubt I'll be there in person. Um, on Monday, so we'll uh, we'll see what comes out of that. And um, I have full confidence that everybody who will be able to take part will uh, be asking the tough questions. Of course, the uh, a lot of tough questions to be asked, and we'll see how Dan Mullen responds. Another response lately just have not been great. You know, Monday's press conferences after games. Out there, I know a lot of people were throwing shade at Mullen for the band comment, not knowing that they were there. Even there's video of him walking through the band for the Gator Walk. 
before the game. So, uh, but that was the in relation to the team fighting or uh, singing the alma mater after the game. So, oh man, but hopefully, you know, I'll find a way to to, to get involved there uh, in the press conferences. But I doubt I can. I've been on vacation uh, this past week too, so it'll be difficult to, for me to make it there in person on Monday. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I won't completely close the door on it. But all right, Gator Nation. Well, you know, what's like it. Take a look around the SEC right quick if you guys missed it. Missouri, Georgia kicked it off at noon. 43-6 winners, Georgia. Sloppy game for them, but it's still a 43-6 victory <laughs> for, for Georgia. Uh, number one team in the country looking like it every week. Ole Miss, 27, Liberty, 14. The return of Hugh Freeze there uh, to Oxford. Ole Miss gets the win. Takes A&M. Auburn, I thought, would be a better game. I did have A&M winning that game, but 20-3. A&M, they have found their groove after getting that win over Alabama. Auburn was looking good, too, but no, no, no match for that. Texas A&M defense there. 20-3. Texas A&M over Auburn. Uh, a little fun game here. Arkansas, Mississippi State, 31-28. Arkansas winners over the Dogs. Um, what was that? That was a it was a, a a fun game. <laughs> I expected the A and M Auburn game to kind of be the more the more fun game, and knowing Mississippi State and Arkansas had the potential there too. But I think uh, that one took that one took the the, the mantle for uh, probably the best game of the SEC that this week, along with you know Tennessee Kentucky as well. I mean forty five forty two Tennessee kind of they're rallying. They are uh, looking better and better uh, every week, and now get a win over Kentucky. Kentucky not being able to, what, three straight losses now? Uh, Georgia, uh, Mississippi State, and now Tennessee. So Kentucky's faltering a bit. Bama, 20-14, to 14, only 20-14, to 14, down for most of the first half versus LSU. Uh, and, like, I didn't think that game was going to be close. But, look, LSU, and, look, I know it's a loss, and I'm sitting here, hate comparing it to Florida's situation a lot, but I'm sitting there playing for their lame duck coach. You know, no hope for that coaching staff, but there they are playing Alabama to a close, close loss. And you know, no more victories, of course, just kind of taking the mindsets of teams, you know, trying to measure that right now. LSU still fighting with a lame duck head coach. And then, of course, to end the night, 40 17, South Carolina over the Gators. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. It hurts. I hate discussing now this i don't like all right it's time to move on i don't like that discussion um i hope i'm wrong or i hope i'm right i hope it you know, plays out whatever whatever the best scenario is for florida i hope it plays out plays out that way i just don't see the hope anymore i'm looking at the big picture i don't i don't know where florida goes from here by keeping them on there we go all right i'll do it for this episode of get breakdown i'm the host david waters you can find me on twitter at Gator Dave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gator's Breakdown.